What an episode of What If Shang-Chi has premiered and the Marvel news keeps on rolling. We also have some major updates on the future of DC fandom, a nice little quote from Star Wars and the book of Boba Fett and a draft of the best weapons in the MCU in honor of Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. Time codes are in the description where they always are. Let's get moving. Truth is, I am a Jedi. And I am burdened with glorious purpose. <laughs> Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave. Blow that piece of junk out of the sky. See you in a minute. My man. I could do this all day. This is the way. But I'm also a big fan of justice. I'm vengeance. I'll show you the dark side. Why did you say that, man? Come on. Let's get nuts. Assemble. Welcome back to your third episode of the Direct Podcast this week. We mm. save these content-heavy weeks for the rare occasions when time allows for it and content allows for it. We did it with Loki. We got you a primer. We got you a review, and we got you, what was it? What was it in July? The Black Widow Black review. Widow. So mm -hmm. much in one week. This week, we got Shang-Chi. We got What If. We got a draft. We got a primer. Everything you need to know. It's all on your podcast feeds. But let's introduce us before we get into any crazy content that we're going to cover in this episode. I am your host, the content machine, Liam Crowley, joined as always by The Watcher, Matt Remke. Matt, I want to ask you a question outside of the world of comic book movies because I know you're a big music guy and I know you're a big rap guy. Oh. Have you listened to either Donda or Certified Lover Boy? No. No, sir. I don't know what a certified lover boy is. That was That's... my nickname in high school, though, which is crazy. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't, Donda. I, I uh, 27 songs? Yeah. Yeah, hard pass. Hard pass on that one for me, for sure. Well, the TI album you recommended me a while ago had like 30 songs. Is that so. right? Yeah. Wow. Paper How trail? about it? Paper Trail had a lot. They're all good, too, right? What, what was your favorite good. song off Paper Trail? Um, I mean, it's dead and gone. Oh, okay. Besides that, <laughs> uh, I all the album tracks kind of blend together. Sure, to sure, sure. Yeah, no. Um, I don't know what Certified Lover Boy is. I assume it's a rapper. I don't listen to Drake's album. Oh, Drake dropped a new album. I didn't even know that. Today, time of recording. How many songs are on that one? <laughs> uh, like twenty something. Wow, why are they putting so many songs on these albums? Because these are the guys that don't drop every year. They space them out like two to three years. Kanye, Never Kanye is so rare. Timberlake does that, and he still only puts like twelve. That's that's a good point. It's pop though. Rap is different. I get that. Um, I will definitely listen to Drake's new album. I like him more than I like Kanye. I I like multiple Kanye albums more than I like all of the Drake albums. But you know, whole work of music. Kanye has his phases. We all know that, right? Mm. You know. Um, but yeah, no. I uh, James Gunn ruined music for me a long time ago. So no, I have not caught up. Well, either way, if you're a listener of the podcast and you're into either of those albums, let me know what you think, because I listen to both and I'm a fan of both. I like music right now. It's hot. But let's talk more <laughs> about the comic book movies as we are here to do. We got a quick question, sort of more of a quick theory, if you will, that we're going to address on the podcast coming from Aslia or at Jada5304894949 on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, a lot of numbers there, but hey, <laughs> give her a follow uh, if you're into this theory, because it's a good one. She left a five-star review and dropped a theory with a question, sorta. And if you want to get your theory or question featured in the show at the beginning, please do just that. Leave a review, five stars with a question, and you'll be featured 
Her theory goes as follows. So this might be a stretch, but I think Doctor Strange is Mephisto or a Skrull or a variant. Yes, I know how it sounds and I have basically no evidence and I really don't want to go down a rabbit hole like hmm. WandaVision. But if you pay attention, there's a couple scenes where they show things with horns. And if you notice the Eye of Agamotto was destroyed in Infinity War and now it's back. I don't know if I missed something or if it came back with everyone else. But yeah, that's just my theory. BTW, I've never read the comics. Please tell me I'm not crazy. As Leah, I'm going to say you're not crazy. Yeah. What about you, Matt? I agree that she's not crazy. The The word Mephisto makes my back itch a little bit um, <laughs> in the MCU. So there is that. But the scroll or variant thing, I... I don't. I, I. I'm not confident that that's not Doctor Strange, but something significant is wrong with him. I am confident about that. I am definitely in the camp that something is wrong here. It's his tone. It's his demeanor. It's his face during the spell in that trailer. You know what I mean? That scene is so. I, I'm not saying like that scene looks bad. I would be shocked. If that scene feels the same way once that movie comes out, like there's something about that scene that there's so much information missing. Um, as far as the eye of Agamotto's status in the MCU, I got deep into Twitter um, with a couple of our listeners about this uh, early this week. And it, I, I don't want to hear that because Steve returned the stones and Tilda Swinton got her um, time stone back in 2012. You tracking with me? Yeah. I don't want to hear that that results in our current status, Doctor Strange getting his stone back. Thanos destroyed his stone. Thanos destroyed his Eye of Agamotto, or at least the fake, whatever. When he comes through the portal at the end of Endgame, it is not on his neck. Meaning, the last time we see him in battle, where he would definitely have it, he didn't have it. So we have to assume he doesn't have it moving forward. But... It's all over the teaser trailer. How does he get it back? Why does he still have it? What is inside the eye of Agamotto? These are the biggest questions I have about Spider-Man. Not Toby, not Norman Osborn, not Andrew Garfield. Why is the eye of Agamotto in Strange's hands heading into this movie? So I, I, I would love to know. Changing your past does not affect your future. These are facts. They spelled it out in a seven-minute long scene. <laughs> Yeah, Back to the Future is a bunch of bullshit, you know, as they it. say in Avengers Endgame. Great line. Um, <laughs> I also, line. <laughs> I definitely don't think that this theory is crazy. I would be surprised if Mephisto is brought into a movie that is already very overcrowded. But there's a lot more merit to Mephisto being involved here versus in, say, a WandaVision, where we are kind of just grasping at straws, at least at the beginning. As, as episodes <laughs> went on, we we're getting a little more desperate to be validated. And, you know, it didn't come to fruition. And that's okay. Expectations, yeah. speculations, keep yep. those bad boys separate. But I've seen the comic panels of Mephisto's involvement in One More Day, which seems to heavily inspire mm -hmm. uh, this storyline, especially the, the frame of Mephisto chilling by the fireplace covered in snow. That's a frame straight out of this trailer. So not crazy to think, but I agree with Matt here. Definitely makes the hairs on my back stand up. It, it's a name I don't want to hear for so long because just it's it's the poster child of the wacky fan theories. And it's almost become comical at this point that when he does show up and he's supposed to be this satanic demon monster that we're all afraid of, we're going to be laughing because it's just hilarious that we actually got him. How they play that because this is Mephisto's storyline. It really is. It's like the Doctor Strange Spider-Man thing from the comics turns into spider-man mephisto pretty heavy i've read it it's 
it's it's wild. I'm not gonna say it's good, but, but it's crazy how they do it. It's it's the biggest retcon I've read in Marvel Comics. It's like the biggest retcon there could be. But the way they make Mephisto play off here, it has to be a cool moment, obviously. You know what I mean? It has to be like a holy shit, look over your corner kind of thing. He needs to be charming as hell. Whoever they cast to play Mephisto needs to have that Jonathan Majors vibe right off the top and just immediately grab us and make us love to hear him talk. I hope he has a Southern twang. Walton Goggins, if he wasn't already an Ant-Man and the Wasp, mm-hmm. would be an amazing Mephisto. Just came into my head. But if they can make if if this is a Mephisto situation, he better be as charming as Jonathan Majors, or else exactly what you said is gonna happen. And we're all just gonna laugh because all the Mephisto hype, like a Mephisto pop in theaters would be internet produced. Nothing in the MCU has given us like pop buildup. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's something to keep our eyes on for sure. And I do think it is a character we will eventually see on the big screen. Let's tone it down a couple notches before we get into the sizzle reel. We want to take some time to pay tribute to the late Chadwick Boseman. This past week marked one year since we lost our king to cancer, a battle he fought for four years, unbeknownst to most of his peers and all of his fans. In the MCU, Bozeman suited up as Black Panther four separate times, starting in 2016 with his debut in Captain America Civil War. Through his accent, his mannerisms, and his impeccable leadership skills, Bozeman brought T'Challa to life in a way we only see once every few years. His passion for not just Black Panther, but every character he betrayed, from Jackie Robinson to Thurgood Marshall, is a big reason why Matt and myself hop on these microphones every week. Even 365 days and counting removed from his passing, Bozeman remains one of the most influential people, not just in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but in Hollywood as a whole. Matt, before we get into this week's news, I did want to ask you personally, what did Chadwick Bozeman's life and continued legacy mean to you? We pour ourselves into these movies and these TV shows and these stories and these characters. And, you know, with that, we pour ourselves into the actors that portray these characters, the Robert Downey Jr. effect that started in 2008, where, you know, somebody pops on screen and we're immediately captured by them. And I think that uh, Chadwick Boseman had that effect in the biggest way since RDJ um, in the MCU. Nothing against any other actor portraying any other character, but his smile, like you said, his voice, his just presence on screen as T'Challa, and then you know, behind all of the emotional connections we have to him within these movies and the stories that he was able to tell us, you hear the behind the scenes stuff. You know what I mean? You hear he's the first guy in line for what if you hear that he's the first guy to shake Tom Holland's hand when he walks through the door, you know, hey, we're here now. We're the new kids on the block. Um, You know, and you just hear, you know, the amazing story about him going through this battle while still putting everything he can into providing us the joy and happiness that he gave us for all that time. Um, You know, we only knew him, you know, as T'Challa for five years. And uh, I think four years, you know, we only knew him as T'Challa for four years, but he had an entire lifetime of bringing that same energy and joy and happiness to the people around him and fans of his and never stopped. So uh, rest in peace, King. We miss you. He's an actor we miss every single day. And like Matt said, like I said, his legacy lives on through every project going forward. Uh, With that being said, let's get into the news.
Kicking things off with some MCU news, Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch, is rumored to go toe-to-toe with a character from the Fox Marvel movies in the Multiverse of Madness. Insider Daniel Richmond says Scarlet Witch is going to fight, quote, someone from the Foxverse in an encounter that, quote, could top Strange vs. Thanos from Infinity War. As for who it could be, cross you Jackman off the list. Wolverine was apparently the first choice from Marvel to go against Wanda. Didn't come to Double feature for Moon Knight news this week after he was spotted near Oscar Isaac in Budapest, Mark Ruffalo played coy on whether he'd be showing up in the series. On the spin-off side of Moon Knight, rumored supporting character Werewolf by Night is rumored to be receiving his own Disney Plus one-off after news broke out that Marvel was casting for an MCU Halloween special. Hesh. Moving on to Black Panther 2, Shuri is here for the long haul. Reports have circulated that Black Panther star Letitia Wright has signed a multiple film extension with Marvel Studios, setting up the character to likely fill some major vibranium shoes. Our queen has arrived. All right, all right, here's your Spider-Man news, all right? A Reddit user was received a DMC copyright strike for posting a picture that claims to be from the No Way Home set. The picture shows Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield suited up. Are you happy? You happy? We did it. Switching over to the blue brand, DC Fandom is back. The following up to last year's virtual fan event will feature a new trailer for The Batman, a first look at Black Adam, and a sneak peek of The Flash. Behind the scenes glances, Aquaman and Shazam are also in attendance and so much more. DC Fandom returns October 16th. Find all the info on thedirect.com pencil in a bonus episode for that date in some Yikes. news from a galaxy far far away ending the sizzle reel director robert rodriguez gushed heavily about december's the book of boba fett rodriguez says the show over delivers and promised people are quote going to be pumped when they see it and yes i know you're asking for more news more spider-man no way home theories more animated star wars reviews more cw dc television updates lucky for you all that and more can be found on the direct.com once again for everybody in the back that's the direct doc. boom what boom. a stacked sizzle reel from all three branches honestly and matt i kind of want to pivot things this week Let's start with some DC fandom news. Let's go. (laughs) Wow. What a stacked lineup we have for this year's virtual event. I am over the moon excited for fandom because last year's was such an experience. It was such a rush to get to cover all the panels and everything. And the best part about it, Matt, was there was no exclusivity window. There was no, okay, you're in person. You get access to this. You're virtual. You only get this. Everyone gets the same stuff. And what they have promised for us, another Batman trailer, a first look at Aquaman 2, a first look at Black Adam. This is going to be an event that I have already starred on my calendar, and I cannot wait to hop on these microphones and break down everything that is coming with DC Fandom. And I know you were a big fan of the first one. How excited are you? I'm jacked, man. I'm I'm so excited. All of these projects coming up for DC have so much excitement around them. Black Adam with Dwayne Johnson, obviously anything Batman ever. And I can't wait to get some inkling of what's going to happen with The Flash. I think it's going to be a huge event in the DCEU, and I, I just can't wait to learn more about it so we can start projecting our heads the right way. Something I loved about last year's DC fandom was all of the featurettes that they had for DC, the DC brand. You know, the, the Joker 
uh, bit that they had, you know, honoring all the different Jokers throughout time with the Hamels and the Nicholsons and obviously the Heath Ledger stuff. Um, the Batman stuff, just, you know, the history lessons we learned about DC along the way. I thought those were really fun. I expect less of those because of more content um than last year but uh it's a is it 24 hours again i don't know that answer i believe it starts at 10 a.m and it'll likely go until like a 9 p.m it's a one-day event so the okay. meat of it is going to happen in like a 12-hour time span it's a whole day progress and I, last year it was super fun being involved with everybody uh during all of that and i can't wait for it again yeah it's gonna be fun and one other thing i do want to point out this is a dc fandom where i have zero hesitations going in Last year's was so heavily main evented by Zack Snyder's Justice League. Whether you love or hated that movie, you know, to each his own. But I think it's a good thing for everyone that we can go into this DC fandom with a clear, fresh start. Everything on this slate, I'm excited for. And there's nothing where I'm like, well, you know, everything looks cool, but it looks like we're taking two steps back when we take one step forward. No, every one of these projects that we're going to get a glance at, I think is going to sprint DC to the finish line. Very well put. Very well put by you. Um, we we got a lot of Marvel news, Matt. We got some other stuff to get into. I want to talk about your girl and what could be one of the biggest scenes and what looks mm-hmm. to be an Avengers level movie come March 2022. Wanda Maximoff going one on one with a Fox Marvel character. It's not Wolverine. Who do you think it is? Quicksilver. I think uh, Multiverse of Madness, I think we're going to be jumping around different variants, jump around different timelines, different universes. I think Evan Peters suits up, and we get a Quicksilver versus Wanda matchup. Um, I just can't wait to see Wanda in a big action set piece with a movie budget. I mean, her her costume is one of the coolest things about Phase 4 so far. The reveal of it, the look of it, all that, to see that in action, maybe even get the hood up. You know what I mean? Little hood Wanda doing her thing out there. I think it's just going to be, I cannot wait to see her back smirking, doing the, doing the head tilt. Oh my God, dude. When Wanda gets that head tilt going against whoever this Fox character is, it's going to be on. And I can't, I can't wait for that to happen. I hope it's Peters. I do. Wanda versus Quicksilver is very engaging to the eye. You know, Quicksilver, especially the Fox version Steals the show in every movie he's in, whatever speedster scene he gets into. Days of Future Past is incredible. And then Sweet Dreams from X-Men Apocalypse is one of the highlights of a movie that a lot of people don't really care for. I'm going to double down. This is going to be one of those hills that I die on for the next couple months. I think it is Chris Evans' Human Torch. I think that that two-film extension he signed on back in January was not for two Captain America appearances. I think we'll see him in a Secret Invasion or some other team-up movie or a series down the line, but I think the other appearance is going to be him in Multiverse of Madness being a Johnny Storm variant and torching it up against Wanda. I mean, he can fly, Wanda can fly. I think that lends itself well to a good fight scene. But then again, Quicksilver, you really can't go wrong there. And I want more Evan Peters in the MCU, regardless of whatever character he plays. So yeah, that's a scene that for for a movie that has so much anticipation around it, now all of a sudden my eyes are glued to how a Fox character comes into play because it kind of goes to show that Marvel has a sandbox of possibilities that they're not afraid to dive into, especially if we get some Sony characters in December. Cameo potential through the roof. Obviously, you know, what happens in Spider-Man is going to be big, but I can't believe I'm saying this after WandaVision, but once again, people are sleeping on Wanda Maximoff being a highlight of this film. Like, I don't think enough people are talking about how 
I think one important and also dope. She's going to be in this movie. So keep sleeping, keep sleeping on my girl. We'll, we'll have uh, January and February all over again. You know, I'd love that. I would love for that to happen. Since I mentioned it, I feel like we have to address it. Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield, hey. Tobey Maguire flagged for a DMCA copyright strike by the Reddit user that leaked a, a behind the scenes set photo. They claim it's fake, but why are you flagging if it, why are you flagging it, taking the time to take it down? If it is, um, I will give my speculation on both sides. Either one, it's real and, and they don't want to spoil the surprise. Or two, they are desperately trying to wipe up uh, speculation because they don't want people to be disappointed. But it's way too late for that at this point. People are have high expectations. Uh, I tell you guys to separate your expectations and speculations. You can't do that with this film at this point. Neither can I, neither can Matt. But it's just, it's interesting. And it's something worth talking about. Matt, what do you think about this leaked set uh, picture? Did you even get to see it before it got taken down? Oh, God, no. I avoid this type of stuff like the plague, man. I I, I will, I refuse to read into any Spider-Man news until I'm perfectly sure that there's not going to be any sort of spoilery anything going on. Because I, mm-hmm. I unlike everybody else, I want to be surprised by it. But also, I am not resting my laurels of this movie on them appearing that being Andrew and Toby. I, I know for a fact, there are a large sector of Spider-Man fans that will not like this movie. If Toby and Andrew aren't in it enough, not even if they're in it at all, they need to be in it for them to like this movie, but past that they need to be in it enough. That's upsetting. And it's getting to the point, unfortunately, where I feel like if they aren't in it at all, if that somehow happens, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're definitely in it. But if they aren't in it at all, I feel like I my one of my first thoughts when the credits hit is going to be, man, people are not going to like that they weren't in it. And that sucks because I think there's so many interesting things going on with this movie. Obviously, I want them to show up in some capacity to be an awesome Spider-Verse moment. I'm still holding out hope it's, that it's a post credit scene leading into some sort of Sony movie. That's been my pitch since day one i hope it still happens the amazing spider-man 3 let's get it going i would really like that and uh one thing i'll say before we close out the spider-man news is it does kind of have the captain america civil war effect for me i love captain america civil war it's in my top five everyone loves civil war but i can't help but think you know on days when i look back at the mcu and all the glorious projects we've gotten what does a true captain america 3 look like because you can tell yourself that that's a Captain America movie. And if that's if that's how you watch it, I'm very jealous because every time I watch that movie, it's Avengers 2.5. I can't ignore the fact that screen time is divided pretty evenly among a lot of the supporting characters. Sure, Hawkeye comes in for a cup of coffee and Ant-Man's barely in it, but Tony Stark has a lot of solo screen time throughout this film. And I'm glad we got Civil War over Serpent Society, but part of me will always wonder... What would Serpent Society look like in 2016? And then in 2017, we get Avengers Civil War. I have the same feelings towards Spider-Man No Way Home. I am going to love this movie if it becomes Spider-Verse brought to the big screen. But a couple months removed, a couple years removed, I will look back, especially if Sony does take Spider-Man out of the MCU, which I don't think they will, but if they do, I will always look back and go, man, what does a completed true solo Tom Holland trilogy look like? What happens if they save this movie for a separate team-up movie called Spider-Verse, something like that? I'll always have those questions, but until we uh, we know our answers, we can just ask them because we won't know till December. 
writing down a little note right here to do a Civil War screen time uh, audit. And I would love to know, there's nothing against you or anything you just said, but I, I, I'm i very interested to know, uh, Zemo and Tony Stark, their combined screen time. I wonder what happens if we compare that to Pierce and Bucky from Winter Soldier. You know what I mean? Like take the antagonist yeah. group from Winter Soldier and compare it to Stark and Zemo. I would be very interested to see that. Because you're I think right. It's fair. Tony yeah. gets a lot of solo screen time, but you know they got the whole thing. Tony's the bad guy. You know, I know it's yeah. not the same, but that'd be inter- that'd be an interesting. Look, you made a yeah. good point. It, it's more about the Pierce and Winter Soldier are Cap supporting characters. I get that. While right. Zemo, Zemo technically different, but Tony's his own guy. Anyways, we'll so, close out so. with one last piece of news. Moon Knight. We got to talk about it. We got to address it. I. All right, I'm going to say it. I'm issuing a spoiler warning right now before we get into this news. Uh, I will drop in the time code to skip ahead or check the time codes below to skip ahead to our what if review, to skip ahead to our draft if you don't want to hear analysis on this news. Shang-Chi spoilers ahead. Oh, okay. Oh, spoiler, 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 spoiler. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. spoiler, spoiler. Go watch the Shang-Chi review on the direct podcast feed. Spoiler, spoiler. And if you haven't seen it, go check out the primer and then go see the movie, then see the review, then hop back to this podcast. Spoilers, spoiler, spoiler. (laughs) So much, so much scheduling that right there for you. But we can't talk about this news without talking about Mark Ruffalo's recent MCU appearance. He appears in the Shang-Chi post-credit scene back again as Bruce Banner in the flesh. How he is no longer Professor Hulk, we don't know. But we do know that there is an MCU future for Mark Ruffalo. We knew he was going to show up in She-Hulk. We didn't know anything beyond that. I kind of expected him to slowly get retired, maybe not killed off, but fizzled out of the consistent MCU storylines. Now it seems like he's still in phase four for the long haul. And if he's in Moon Knight, it goes along with the idea of him popping up for a post-credit scene in Shang-Chi, him popping up for a couple scenes in an episode for Moon Knight, him popping up as a full supporting player in She-Hulk. Matt, where do you see Bruce Banner factoring into Moon Knight if he is even in the show? You know what Val is doing collecting people from these Disney Plus and Black Widow shows? Oh, yeah. I think Bruce is doing that for the Avengers. I think that Nat in Endgame being kind of the uh, head of the Avengers on those virtual screens, I think that's where Bruce is at right now. He's an original six. He's the smartest guy left in the group, assuming Rocket's off planet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The Guardians all left together. So uh, Bruce is un- undoubtedly the smartest guy left in the group. He's a leader, he's a fighter. Everybody else is gone. You know, Thor's gone. Everybody's gone. He's back to his Bruce Banner form. I think he is leading the Avengers along with Carol, and it's it's a recruitment situation. You know what I mean? I think Avengers Five will have Mark Ruffalo um, as the Nick Fury role. I think moving forward, I think that could be really cool. Yeah, it would be our first OG uh, member of the Avengers in a Disney Plus show, which would be just so sick. Just, just so, dude, we need it. I, yeah. oh, Hawkeye though. Hawkeye, well, yeah, leading his own show. I'm talking about popping in for a cameo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, One last thing. I do want to get your thoughts before we get into our what-if review. An MCU Halloween special. I think it's really cool. 2022, getting a Halloween special in October, getting the Guardians Christmas special two months later in December. I love the outlet that Disney Plus is providing for the MCU to grow and expand and do fun content like this. What do you think about a one-off Halloween special episode? I'm all for it. Try everything. Nothing that you've done hasn't worked yet. So just keep doing what you're doing. Um, 
this kind of brings up a big, uh, broader TV question, you know, for the type of people that we are. Liam, are you a Halloween episode guy or a Christmas episode guy? Oh, my, my foundation or, for or, this is, is Disney thanks, Channel. A Thanksgiving episode guy. Not bad. Because those are pretty prevalent. They are fun. They're a distant number three, though, compared to sure. the other two. Uh, okay. My Halloween specials are reside on OG Disney Plus, Hannah Montana, Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, even uh, Big Time Rush over on Nickelodeon and iCarly and all that. I'll go. I'll go uh, Halloween special because as a kid, they actually got me like a little scared. Some sure. of them, the Sweet Life Haunted Hotel, Haunted Hotel Room episode. Oh my God, prime real estate in my nightmares. I'm going to go Christmas special. I'm more of a traditionalist um, as far as my touchstone here. It's Friends. It's uh, uh, The Office. Uh, Modern Family just recently. Their Halloween episodes are fucking amazing. Um, but uh, the Christmas episodes of uh, Friends and The Office, um, I'm all for. But Thanksgiving Friends episodes, those are the best ones. I just got to throw that out there. Yeah, I take it all back. Thanksgiving, Slapsgiving, How I Met Your Mother. You just Come got on. slapped across the face. You just got the I potential for Marvel on show. honestly, I'm, I'm still in the middle of it. The potential for Marvel on Disney plus though is unlimited. What they can do has us always asking as fans, the question, what if, Ooh. and that's a question that Dr. Strange asked himself this week. Let's get into it and ask yourself the question. What if, what if episode four is upon us and finally myself and Matt are on the same page and oh my God, was I shell-shocked by the amount of darkness we got in animated form. I know I'm not an animated Star Wars guy and a lot of people are probably screaming at their microphones saying, Liam, there's been dark episodes of animated television before. You just got to watch it. Did you even watch Invincible? I tried and then I got busy and then I forgot about it. <laughs> This episode, though, was so dark and so intriguing and had me just gasping and feeling empty. And oh, I, I cannot comprehend everything that they did in cartoon form with this episode. Those are kind of my jumbled initial thoughts. Matt, I want to go to you first. Spoiler free. What are you thinking about if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? Um, this episode was a mixed bag for me. I love certain elements and I was confused at others. I love how they are constantly tweaking the delivery of these episodes and building a library of story styles. You know, we had the minor tweak in the first episode. We had the drastic shift in the second episode. The third episode was more of a uh, mystery within the what if kind of thing. And this was what if it goes wrong? You know what I mean? Everything else was kind of what if it went differently. This is what if it goes wrong. And um, I thought that was really interesting. Um, I'm super intrigued and excited about the game changer feel that this episode have for the what if series. I feel like this is going to be an episode we look back at and think this is when what if changed forever kind of thing. And something I didn't expect with this anthology, I thought series, I think it kind of straight away from the anthology this here a little bit. Um, I'm a little... I got questions about some of the bigger picture MCU rules that they presented, the rules and ideas. I have, I, I, I have questions about how they handled it and what that can mean. Visually, this episode was second to none. And um, I think it's a dramatic shift for stories moving forward, which we haven't seen yet and something I wasn't expecting. Therefore, I think that this episode might follow the bottom of my list so far. Oh. Um, but the show is exponentially getting better. I, I don't think it's 
I don't think it's the worst made episode, but I, I just have questions. Maybe you could help sway me a little bit, but um, great, great show. I'm loving every second of it. It's amazing. And the only way I'm going to sway you is if we get into... Spoilers. Spoilers. Just all the spoilers. Some alliteration there. Sorcerer Supreme spoilers with spells and Spider-Man. No, he's not. Sorcerer Supreme spoilers Sunday on the direct podcast. Bang. Love that. Uh, I don't know if I can really convince you to love this episode because I didn't necessarily love it. I think it is number two on my list. I, the murder mystery is going to take the cake uh, for the foreseeable future for a while. Um, but there's just something about this episode that, I don't know, I can kind of compare it to the Joker movie from 2019 in the sense that I recognize that this is a very well-made piece of content, but I can't see myself re-watching it because I, I don't know, I felt empty. Like it was so dark. Like Very a sad. lot of people on Twitter were, were uh, saying like, that's it. We're going to end there. Like he just, that's everything turns to liquid black sludge. And he's this monster. And Christine is in a, in a mess. Like, it was a, a, a very dark turn for the MCU. And I said it in my social reaction to it on Twitter that this I felt was the darkest piece of content the MCU has ever produced because there was such a lack of humor and because there was such a sad ending with finality. Infinity War had a sad ending, but everyone was like, well, they're going to reverse it, right? And they, they did a year later. This, I don't, I don't see this ever getting resolved. It looked like it was just, that's it. That universe is done forever. Um, let's get into the kind of the idea of this episode. What if Dr. Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? Matt, I'm hoping you can kind of help me out with this one. It starts without really any twist that we see in past what if episodes. You know, what if T'Challa was taken instead of Star-Lord? That's the twist. What if Peggy took the serum? That's the twist. What if, uh, you know, J uh, Hope Van Dyne was brought into the S.H.I.E.L.D. program? She gets murdered. Hank Pym loses his mind. All that. Twist at the end. Right. Right. Except chronologically, you know where no, it would no, yeah, 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 yeah. This episode, though, it's what if Christine Palmer accompanied Strange on the car crash? But the thing is, was she ever was that even a question? I haven't seen Doctor Strange in about a year, but I was never under the impression that he was supposed to go with her and then plans changed. Like, wh where, where are we starting off then? My MCU historian uh, title is big question because I don't know that answer um, for sure either. Um, I do remember the car crash initially was him going through potential patients. Um, I don't know what Christine really has to do with that. But uh, yeah, her being in the car seemed to be the what if thing, which is so strange to me because um, like that doesn't directly lead to him not breaking his hands. You know what I mean? Right. You know, it, it, and that's kind of the kind of the questions I have about this show it's 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 hard to talk about without skipping ahead but um uh the i can just talk about the death scene i guess you know her being yeah. in the car the christine dying thing seeing it happen over and over and over was fucking brutal man it was just uncomfortable to watch and it was so matter of fact about it too you know what i mean it happened once we see him use the time stone to you know go back to that point and try it again we knew it wasn't going to work and then they did the thing where he changes something and it still happens. But the first time they did it, it was the guy just still ran into him. You know what I mean? It wasn't that he swerved away from the truck. It was that that guy was just didn't see him or was, mm. you know, whatever happened. Right. 
And then they kept moving the pushing the ball up the field a little bit. Okay, like what if we go a different way? What if we don't go at all? What if we go, but she dropped like all and at like at some point, like you said, I was just kind of demoralized. And at a certain point, I was amazed that they kept going. Like I was shocked that they kept doing the thing. And I think that was such a risky decision, but I think it paid off great because it sunk me to the bottom um, during that sequence. And that's exactly where Strange was. And I think it helped us feel him. And it was a wild, wild decision that they did. But I'm, I, I really love how that part was executed. And I do love the idea of Doctor Strange being one of those, you know, it's, it's Spider-Man's mantra. But with great power comes great responsibility. Doctor Strange is one of the most powerful beings in the universe. And we know for years now that he has a massive ego, just like Tony Stark. But this episode really emphasized that ego needs to be kept in check because the fate of the universe is on the line if he gets too arrogant. And I, I really appreciated that because it made me appreciate our MCU proper 616 Doctor Strange, him understanding I have powers unlimited, hitherto undreamt of, if you will. And if I don't you know, keep that contained and recognize the bigger picture, stuff will can and will go awry. You did bring up a point about her death happening over and over again. Tilda Swinton's The Ancient One describes this as, write this down, your new MCU vocabulary word, an absolute point, which is defined as an event that cannot be changed under any circumstances. When Strange swerves one way, a car still hits him. When he says, let's not take a car, she gets shot when they go get pizza, when they don't get pizza and they make it to the event and they're dancing, she has a heart attack. No matter what happens, Christine Palmer is destined to die on this night. And using my little calm 101 skills from Syracuse journalism school, I realized that the absolute point vocabulary word that I'm telling you all to memorize is a direct antonym for a nexus event. A nexus event is something that cannot happen or else the universe will go sideways. An absolute point mm -hmm. is something that needs to happen to keep the universe flowing and the proper uh, flow of time happening in said timeline. I love that because all of a sudden, what if we've already thought, you know, it's probably going to be consequential. They'll factor in something. I expect to hear the words absolute point in multiverse of madness. And that was honestly my favorite part about this episode, having something that I felt was genuinely crucial to my MCU knowledge. I never was going to look at what if as a waste of time, D don't get me wrong. I'm having a great time with the show, but now Hearing that makes me feel, oh, okay, this is homework, and I'm glad I'm watching this. Yep, uh, yep. I uh, I didn't know what you meant by antonym until you put it that way. That was really well put. Um, I I agree that this is the first instance of them providing information that will help us understand something in the future. It's something that they did so well in Doctor Strange, and it ended up helping Loki so much, and um, other you know other things like that. The MCU is just so good at helping us get to a point where something crazy is more acceptable. Um, uh, go check out our Shang-Chi review. I have a whole bit about how, how Wakanda and um, Dr. Strange helped Shang-Chi make sense in my head so much more than it deserved to. You know what I mean? The craziest parts about Shang-Chi are helped by two movies that came out over three years before it did. But back to my point here. The absolute point, I do think that it's going to be a piece of information that helps in the future. I'm excited that we're learning new things about the multiverse. It helps build and add a new layer to our multiversal understanding. Um, there are nexus events that branch off. There are absolute events that can never change, so branches don't happen. But 
my problem is kind of how they used this moment to explain an absolute point. You know what I mean? I like the mm-hmm. idea of the absolute point. I love the concept. I love that that's now a canon thing that we have to think about moving forward as opposed to a nexus event. But the absolute moment that can never change is Christine Palmer dying, right? That's the no. moment she's talking about. The concept is awesome, but the problem I have with it is that in this context, we saw that absolute not happen in 2016's Doctor Strange. Our touchstone for this specific moment that introduces the idea of an absolute moment is in fact a moment that we originally saw not happen. Does that make sense? Or am I like talking in circles? Because it makes, like, it makes complete sense because right now what I'm thinking of is one in 16 million, 405, 14 million, 605. 14. Because that makes me think, okay, there's an absolute moment, absolute point that needs to happen, which is Tony Stark surviving. Sure. In our universe, what hap- What if in another what if universe, they can still defeat Thanos without that absolute point happening? It, it, it does kind of add a layer of confusion. It's the idea of, of introducing an absolute moment or an absolute point. What, which one is it? Absolute point. point. Introducing the idea of an absolute point and the example is something that's different than what we had already known. I thought that was so strange to me. I thought I thought it would have been so much more impactful if it was something from that movie that also actually happened, but that has to happen. It's just so interesting that it's the the it's the what if. It's 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 the change from 2016's Doctor Strange that is the absolute moment in this universe. I just felt like that was a very odd way to present that information. But that being said, I love the information that is presented. I think it is completely valid. Um, yeah, that that is a layer that I definitely need to consider. Like if I do go back and watch this episode, because it does kind of reshape my thinking and appreciation for the introduction of a concept that, you know, could have been executed better in a different scenario. How absolute is it? If we saw it not happen in 2016's Doctor Strange and then the Infinity Saga happened. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like absolute to what? Like what, what happens if that doesn't happen? Because we saw that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a really good point. Because if the I universe is destined good. to if the universe <laughs> is destined to crumble there, why wouldn't it crumble in our universe? Yeah. Yes. It's and uh, it's time a, travel, it's a, man time travel <laughs> it's a great it's a great segue um to the big concept of our first time the watcher becomes more of a character than a narrator because constantly he has opportunities to interfere and he thinks about it he says out loud i could interfere he's going down a dark path that will lead to the destruction of this universe but i can't i cannot i will not i am the watcher all that good stuff that and then at the good. very end we pretty good yeah yeah, that was really good. Thank you. Um, then at the very end, Strange confronts him. He sees him. I felt your presence. I see you. You know, you, what are you doing? You could end this. You could save us all, please. And he just refuses. That was one of the better layers of this episode because it made me realize uh, it's the Schrodinger's gun moment. They have They have put the moment on the table. And if they don't fire this gun, then we're all going to be a little let down. Watch is going to interfere before the season is over. And we're going to see exactly what happens when he does. Seeing him see this destruction go on and choosing not to 
makes me only wonder how worse is it going to get for him to want to interfere. Matt, what did you think about the Watcher's overlying presence throughout this episode? And how about those damn visuals of just him in the New York City skyline slowly looking over? I thought it was epic. What a fucking moment that was, man. When Strange turned over his shoulder and said, who's there? Like, I got I, I get chills thinking about it right now. What a cool, awesome way to break that fourth wall, showing a guy who went through so much, quote, centuries of hell to be as powerful as he is. And yeah, it would make sense as someone who is that powerful is able to, he's able to sense the watcher, you know, like in comics only like Thanos, Mephisto and a few other people can actually see the watcher when he shows up and from the comics I've read, obviously, but um, things, but Mm -hmm. the fact that like we see Dr. Strange get so evilly powerful, Jeffrey Wright pops in and has a little monologue there kind of being a little dick about it too but yeah. um uh and then dude when when dr strange turned his shoulder i gasped out loud oh, no way we're going to be sitting in a movie theater in like 2005 ish right and something insane is going to happen on screen something cataclysmic is going to you know come about in the mcu and we're all going to be shocked and floored and whoa and we're all going to be just jaw dropped and as as our jaws are dropping we're going to notice very subtly in the background the watcher watching whatever happened happen to confirm that whatever we just saw was a moment right they've set this watcher up to such a cool presence and you're right the schrodinger's gun it's i don't know what it's going to be i'm hoping because he he said something interesting you can interfere you can help whatever he didn't say, I can't help. He said, I can't interfere to help your universe at risk of all of these other universes. I assume he's talking about the other three episodes that we've seen. Yeah, and our MCU proper. Awesome. Awesome. I hope I hope that is a line, a thread that allows him to somehow just exploratively lay them all out for us in the final episode of this season. Like, Hey, here's all the different universes happening. Like see the watcher, look at all of them, somehow bring them all together. Love that moment with the watcher. It was so good. It's a moment that we're definitely going to look back on for years to come. And it does have live action potential. I love how you laid that out because it's very easy to include the watcher as just a little Easter egg cue. You don't even have to have Jeffrey right back. Just show him looking over, and that's just a certification moment that, oh, man, what we just saw go down was nuts. I do want to talk about Doctor Strange kind of going crazy and consuming all that power real quick. We go to the castle of Cagliostro. He meets a character that I don't believe we met in live-action Doctor Strange. Brand new character to What If, kind of breaking the rule that we saw in reports saying that What If was only allowed to play with characters already established. So... Here we have a new character uh, that, you know, probably not too consequential, which is what makes it allowed, but still definitely worth noting. Very the, cool. ca- the characters, the mystical beings that Strange is absorbing, a lot of them, you know, unfamiliar. The one that everyone's going to point to is Shumagorath that we assume, mm-hmm. the tentacle-like creature that we saw in episode one with Peggy Carter. The exact same design, exact same creature, creature of giant, you know, seismic proportions and, and energy and power and all that currently rumored to be the main antagonist too of multiverse madness i feel like it all comes together there 
that made me perk up. Uh, what made me perk up even more is when Strange was observing all that power and he gets a little devil face for a second. Oh, man, we talked about it at the top of this episode. Mephisto, it's always going to be there. Uh, Matt, what did you think <laughs> about the ab- absorption of uh, all these mystical beings? And uh, did it make you perk up a little bit? Because I was genuinely kind of terrified at how power hungry this guy was getting. The amount of people who are going to say, I told you so, when Mephisto finally shows up. Like, like I think that's a wild concept, you know, to guess every single project moving forward that he's going to be in it. And when you get it right, be excited about it. Um, That whole sequence I talked about earlier, hundreds, uh, sorry, centuries of hell to get as powerful as he was. And they showed it with the, the sun time lapse and all that stuff. It's it's a really awesome meta twist on the Dormammu scene from 2016's Doctor nice. Strange. Yeah. They repeatedly, but like the thing was, like those were repeated deaths was a sacrificial heroic moment. Like watching him do that, we were like, wow, this guy's a fucking hero. Like, like I can't believe he's doing this. What an amazing person to save the universe by sacrificing himself a billion times over, right? They did the exact same concept, but with something we didn't want him to be doing it's the bells in game of thrones man like that moment before khaleesi takes hellfire down on king's landing like at like the king's landing scene where she puts it all to ash such a dope scene but man you don't want it to be happening don't do it don't do it they did that here with dr strange using the dormammu kind of concept very well done very cool cool scene yeah, I loved it. And it made me genuinely scared because at the very end of this episode, when he goes to confront Christine, I'm like, he's going to be some hideous looking creature, isn't he? And oh man, yeah, he is. He's consumed by his obsession with reversing the past, even after being warned. And I did appreciate this idea of, I don't know if it was, it was the watcher, not the ancient one, but when he says, I'm sorry, don't let my arrogance be the downfall of this, this universe. The watcher says simply like, Hey man, I tried to warn you. I tried ancient one warned you everyone warned you they you told warned. you going down this would not work and you were too arrogant and it all crumbles so i like the idea of irreversible consequences um because it does give a moment of finality to this episode and even though it ends very sadly it does show that actions have consequences regardless of what universe we are in uh before we close out this review matt i did want to kind of go to your favorite moments easter eggs of note anything you noticed in this episode that you thought stood a little head and shoulders above previous what if episodes. Um, uh, going back to what you just said about how, and you said it earlier too, how, you know, if strange goes one too far, it is incredibly consequential to everybody else. And I think that leads into no way home really well. I did want to point yeah. out one thing. Yeah. I did want to point out one thing that I, I don't want to sound too negative, but like it did also kind of irk me. Uh, hey, shout out to this wooden come back doing her thing. She's amazing. Um, I did kind of irk me that she took it upon herself within this alternate universe to change something and split the Doctor Stranges into two. You know what I mean? She kind of created a what if within the what if. And yeah. I just and and to me when I when I saw that and I felt that it just kind of went against the idea of the show, where what if one thing changed and that affected the rest of the universe where this episode was more what if one thing changed and then tilda swindon came in and changed one more thing um you know to kind of hedge bets a little bit but it led to a really awesome strange verse strange thing where for 
evil Doctor Strange to become as powerful as he needed to. He needed to absorb the power of actual Doctor Strange. Mm. That was so sick. Again, I love the concept and like where we landed. It's just the execution of it through Tilda Swindon and through the death of Christine Palmer. I just thought that was it, it was so off to me, and it kind of took me out of it in a big way that the MCU almost never does. Yeah, I'm going to build off what you said a little bit for my favorite moment and moment I thought stood uh, head and shoulders above what we've seen previously. It is that idea of Doctor Strange going one too far and there being drastic consequences and how that leads into Spider-Man No Way Home specifically because Wong in this episode says, don't do something that you're going to regret. And he leaves him be with the time stone. And then he does something that the whole universe regrets in terms of him wiping everything out. Wong gives him a similar warning in No Way Home. Don't cast that spell. If these consequences that we see in Spider-Man No Way Home are a fraction of this what-if episode, the MCU is in for an apocalypse of, of seismic proportions. It's going to be insane. Moving forward, episode five is currently rumored to be party Thor. Don't know if that's 100% certain. You know, don't hold me to it. But I'm going to say we can expect uh, some God of Thunder action next week. And uh, before we close out this review, I just wanted to say, uh, tough week to be a hopeless romantic in the MCU, huh? Wenwu, yeah. Doctor mm-hmm. Strange, mm-hmm. man, these guys just can't win. Yeah, stop listening to stuff in your head, everybody. It's it's the reason that the uh, Raimi Spider-Man villains all went to hell. It's because they kept <laughs> listening to stuff in their head, and then they just started bombing people. So keep keep those voices aside. Turn on the radio. You know what I mean? Let's just turn on the radio. Listen to a love song. You ever heard of Neo? Put him on. He'll make you feel better. Or listen to a podcast, the direct podcast. Every Fridays, every Sundays, sometimes. (laughs) Uh, But until then, we will talk a little bit more Shang-Chi on this episode. We are going to get into our best MC weapons draft with special guest, the machine from the direct.com, Mr. Three-time guest now, Richard Nevins. Let's go. Love it. Ladies and gentlemen, the newest member of the MCU has arrived with Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, but that also means there's another new weapon in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The Ten Rings were so dope. And in honor of the Ten Rings, we're going to draft the greatest weapons in the MCU. And Liam, we brought in some big guns to help out. We brought in um, you know, somebody who is familiar with you know, being the war machine ladies and gentlemen the direct.com's very own machine rich next let's go thank you thank you so much for having me war machine i uh i kind of like that yeah <laughs> well we kind of got a battle of the machines right now you know what i mean we got yeah. the machine and the content machine liam crowley it's a uh, oh yeah you know, it's the chicken and the egg is what it is so yeah. ladies and gentlemen got I was going to say, Richard, that's where the nickname came from, actually, because I started okay, calling right, you the right. machine because I, I was trying to market myself as the content machine here at college. And I was like, well, Richard's just the general machine. Like, okay, I have a specific right. thing, but Richard's just the machine in general. So I got, we got a little got uh, machine franchise going on on this draft. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a machine off. Here we go. It's a machine. Robert off. Rodriguez, the machine off. X machine. <laughs> off. Um, so, guys, we're going to be drafting the best MCU weapons um we real quick though i want to hear what each of you thought of the 10 rings from shang chi oh man that was so so cool i just saw the movie last night so it's still pretty fresh in my mind the 10 rings were awesome i I mean not only the fact that yeah i mean the 10 rings has been around since iron man Uh, i mean this has been something that's been teased for literally 13 years but the 10 rings themselves 
super cool. And I love the way that they were used in that final battle with Shang-Chi and the Mandarin mm -hmm. and like, you know, the changing colors and the powers and everything. So dope. I loved how how rigid they were at times because even though they're free flowing and they're magical, when Wenwu whips them out at the beginning, oh my god, it was just it's like so the cool. static electricity that's going on, the way he maneuvers them, uses them as like a lasso at times, and then as a whip. Then when Shang Chi takes them on, they're more casual and fluid, and they float around him, and they're at peace and everything. The Ten Rings are one of the coolest weapons I've seen in the MCU because of how how much fun, how much flexibility they have. They're not static. They're not used for one purpose. Your, your limits are your imagination, which I thought was epic. And yeah, definitely deserved a placement in the title of this movie. 100%. And I what I'm excited about with the Ten Rings moving forward is that it does put Shang-Chi on a different level of Avenger. You know, this isn't a Black Widow, Hawkeye, Captain America situation where there's only so much they could do. Cap needed Mjolnir to level up with Thanos. I feel like Shang-Chi has that right now in the Ten Rings and to do it with an amazing story as to what they are and how he got them, something I never expected them to do in that movie. And it was so well done. I'm upset I didn't see it beforehand. So because the Ten Rings were such an awesome thing and the inspiration for this draft, we are taking them off the board. Not everybody has seen the movie yet. We're giving people time to listen to this draft before they see Shang-Chi. So just know Shang-Chi would have been drafted here. Absolutely. Yeah. Probably round one. Yeah. That, round two at the latest. See, okay, let's get into it because I think that this draft is going to have one of the craziest first rounds ever because I feel like it could go one way or a completely different way. But if it goes that one way, we're all going to learn a lot about each other right now. You know what I mean? Like, like you thought, you thought Civil War was like a battle of the heads. Like this is a, a third leg. I can't wait. I'm so excited. So the draft order will be Liam will be going first. I will be going second, and Nebens will be going third. When you are on this podcast for three times, you no longer get the courtesy of the first pick. So it falls to Liam, and he has a decision to make. Like he's, this is the, the Richard. I can't tell you how much I've been thinking about this all day. This is the ultimate I, Liam Crowley draft problem because he i know what he wants to do and go with his heart but man this is the worst pick for him to have <laughs> him having the first pick here is a monumental moment for this young man and i cannot wait to see what he does with it having it's every option on the table is <laughs> i'm not sure that's a good thing for liam i think he only has one i think i don't know do you have morals that's the question we're going to be answering today <laughs> Well, it's times like this that I really wish we had a video version of this podcast so people could just see the stress on my face right now. Um, and yeah, even though I'm very grateful to have the first pick for, I believe, the first time in draft history, since we always have our guests go first, I do like being cornered into taking stuff that I, I have to because other stuff is off the board. And I have to do it. I have to do it. And I have to go with my head, not my heart, because I will get dragged on Twitter if I do not go with this. It's the Infinity Gauntlet. Infinity Gauntlet is my 101. And, you know, yep. Matt, Matt Remke, make the meme now. Good, little <laughs> tiny Gamora. Did you take Infinity Gauntlet 101? Yes. Yeah. What did it cost? Captain America's shield. Because yeah, that's not coming back. To no <laughs> no <show>. way. <laughs> the Infinity Gauntlet, it's simple. It's because reality can be whatever I want. And that's just one of six of my abilities with it. It's the most powerful weapon in the MCU. The, the big caveat, the big asterisk with it is when you do snap and use them all at once, it's really kind of a one and done scenario. Uh, I'm me wow. as a mortal. Actually, I will die. I will die if I use all six stones at once. But 
it's something that, you know, it's the ultimate MCU weapon. It's a culmination of three phases of films being brought into one object. And it's something that, you know, one day I will have a replica on my desk and say, you know, there is so much story behind that thing. I can't believe I had to do it, Matt. I can't believe I had to do it. This was the last draft. I wanted to have the one-on-one pick, but I'm a fool if I don't take Infinity Gauntlet 101. Richard, I'll go to you first. What are you thinking about my choice? Could there be any other option, honestly? I mean, this is what we spent 18 movies building up to. You had six stones that you had to set up in, well, five different movies. The Soul Stone obviously didn't come in until Infinity War. That's still one of my only, only gripes about that movie, but I'll save that conversation for another time. Um, but there's nothing that could beat it. Literally, you can eliminate half or all of the universe with the snap of a finger. And there's nothing that can top that. Like, I don't know how you go with anything else. I agree. It was a had to take it kind of thing. Um, I, <laughs> I saw a world where this first round went with the big three and Infinity Gauntlet not being one of those. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Liam, it's, it's something you're going to have to live with for the rest of your life. Like, you, you know, you want, Infinity, <laughs> you want Infinity Gauntlet on your desk where you hang in the cap shield in the basement. Like, you know, like that go in the guest room, maybe, you know, I just, I don't know where you put the cap shield. Um, it's a great pick. And obviously what that does, Liam, you know, it's probably going to win you the draft. If I'm being completely honest, it's kind of a dub draft. Now that we think about it, this does take the infinity stones off the board. Yeah. The, the, the individual stones, no Tesseract, no, no uh, yeah, no, I have Agamotto. It's it does take the stones off the board. Um, I saw a world where it didn't get drafted because of that. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like if a stone had gone first, it would have taken the Infinity Gauntlet off the board a little bit. But Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity Gauntlet first pick had to be. I'm gonna move on to the second pick of the draft. We are going four rounds with this one. Um, the second pick of the draft, Tony, trying to rid the world of weapons. You gave it its greatest one. It's the Iron Man suit. You know what I mean? I get every I get every mark. I get all the different iterations of it. It's the Iron Man suit. It's the greatest weapon ever created. It's done so many things. It went toe-to-toe with the Infinity Gauntlet, and it being a man-made invention, holy shit, what an incredible thing. We're not done seeing it yet. Riri Williams, Black Panther 2, going to be taking her own take on it. War Machine, I know I don't get the War Machine armor here, but... If you draft a war machine, you're drafting the second best Iron Man. Suit, you know what I mean? So I, I advise you guys don't do that. Um, it's it's everything. It's it's half the character. It's when you married Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. with that weapon, you get the greatest comic book character of all time. And I think that's an amazing thing. So um, yeah, Iron Man suit to uh, 102 on Team Rimke. I can't be happier with it. Yeah, I, I mean. It's, you know, you guys made great decisions here in taking like groups of just great weapons with, you know, Infinity Gauntlet with the six stones and Tony with God knows how many Iron Man suits at this point. I think it's like 50 or something. Mm -hmm. But I I mean, no, it's, it's, it's the quintessential MCU weapon. I I mean, he can fly. He's got, you know, uh, thrust stabilizers. He can blast people into the uh, apocalypse if he wanted to. He's got the nanotech. I, I mean, he literally can do at this point basically anything that he wanted to do by the end of Infinity War and Endgame with those suits. And not to mention, he he made something that could basically hold the Infinity Stones with the nanotech gauntlet. So uh I mean Wait solid. Do I get the start glove? 
I do. God. Oh, <laughs> oh God, that is a don't. Great it's a separate Did thing. Oh, yeah, not so part of the one, Iron Man. Which one's better, Liam? Which one's better? I mean, the Infinity Gauntlet's better. The, the, the Stark Glove is only used for one snap. It's not used for other abilities. I wonder what picture I'm going to use for the graphic. I'm just, I'm, I'm curious. Ooh, oh, as to which man. picture. Holy shit. Richard, you may have just won me this draft. That's crazy. Damn it. Liam, I, do got, I, I do got to give props. I was props, the one who though, suggested this damn draft. You were. This is all your fault. <laughs> I, I do got to give props to, to both uh, the round one selections, just because if, if we don't do all the Iron Man suits and all the Infinity Stones in one gauntlet, each one of us has an Iron Man suit on our team. Each one of us has an Infinity Stone. Some of us probably have multiple. So it's a great pick. The nanotech mm-hmm. honestly sells this more than anything. The fact that, you know, it can really be whatever you want and it's right. consistently morphing. And yeah, the Iron Man suit is a perennial round one pick. I would be shocked if it if it fell to any other round or even below the second overall pick. Sure. Uh, solid choice, Richard. I'm excited to see where you go here. The back to oh, back here. <laughs> you guys got you guys got some uh, top notch picks here, but I think I think I have one that might be able to match it. Um, yeah, I mean, we saw it in uh, we saw it first forged in Avengers: Infinity War. And it is wow. something super, super powerful, super handy, Stormbreaker. I mean, this thing, I mean, you forged it in the heart of a dying star. That in itself is, is something special. Then you've got the hammer part on one of it, the axe on the other. It can shoot lightning. It can summon the Bifrost. I mean, yeah. plus it's alien. So that's it. And you get the Groot. Uh, handle in there so uh you know I, I may not be able to compete with you guys on the top picks but i think i can hold my own with uh with a little bit of stormbreaker in there 100 percent stormbreaker is an incredible pick it does create an interesting question that i want to throw to both of you liam first this doesn't take millionaire off the board i don't feel like i know we don't want to give away picks moving forward but i feel like it doesn't take millionaire off the board but does it kind of lessen the Mjolnir pick? Obviously, Mjolnir has so much more history and story and heart behind it, but I feel like taking the second Thor weapon is a tough draft strategy that I'm not sure how it's going to be handled. Liam, uh, you know, Stormbreaker versus Mjolnir, what are your thoughts, I guess? Yeah, that's a tough pick, honestly, um, because I feel like Mjolnir still has to be taken. It'd be a, a slap in the face not to take it at some point not draft because they are very different weapons. One, I believe, doesn't have the limitations of only being Thor's, you know, Whichever because right. Thanos ever, uses yeah. it and he's clearly not worthy. Cap is worthy, but he, you know, it Mjolnir, I feel like, is a separate enough weapon compared to the Iron Man suits and the Infinity Gauntlet. But Stormbreaker is a great pick, and I would have taken Stormbreaker over Mjolnir just because it's a little more badass. It has sure. a little, exactly. It has two specific moments that supersede anything Mjolnir did, and that's coming down on Thanos in the chest, and that's chopping Thanos's head off. Those are one oh, and yeah. two on my Thor weapon moments. So, great pick. I'm heartbroken that's not coming back to me. But who am I kidding? It, it was never going to. I'm surprised. I'm surprised it was taken over over Mjolnir. I'm being completely honest because I I I'm excited to see where you go with this pick, the first pick of the second round. Yeah, and um, and and here's here's why I went with with Stormbreaker over Mjolnir because Mjolnir obviously has the history, obviously, and it's super powerful in its own right. Stormbreaker just takes it to a whole new level of insanity. So um, so with my second pick. Oh man, this is tough. 
Um, I think I can't believe I'm going to do this to you, Liam. Yeah. I got to go. I'm thinking the history. I got to go the cap shield. Yeah. I, I can't pick anything else at this point. That has the history. We've seen it since the beginning of the Infinity Saga. We saw it most recently in the first episode of What If, you know, the Cap Carter shield. And um, I, I can't pick anything else besides that Captain America shield, vibranium all day, every day. A great pick what was i gonna do like you know it wasn't coming back to me i'm a little disappointed it didn't go in the first round to be honest but at the same time the ones that were above it make sense the ones that are above it do more damage the cap shield i think has the greatest lineage in the mcu it's the greatest symbol if this was a symbols draft cap goes 101 but yeah it, it's it's the symbol of the falcon winter soldier even after steve rogers has retired or has passed or we don't know where he is he still has his legacy live on through that shield. The legacy of that shield is complicated. Like that shield means something to a lot of people. It's a weapon to some people. It's a defense mechanism for others. And it's a great pick. Had to go early. And man, I can't believe it's not going to be on my list. I think one of, if not the most aesthetically pleasing weapons on this list, um, or that mm -hmm. will be drafted today. It's just such a cool thing. You know what I mean? Like, like, and they always find cool and creative ways to use it. I mean, converting that from comic book panels to live action was such a risky look because it could have looked so corny. It really could have. Mm -hmm. The bouncing aroundness of it could have looked so dumb, but it doesn't. It's so cool. I, I, I particularly, I particularly, that's a tough one. I especially like how in the first Avenger, they use it so sparingly. You know what I mean? I think there's like, mm -hmm four or five shield throws in that movie and they're all like you know like one-off scenes it's nothing like in sequence um and then obviously in winter soldier we get a whole new a whole new life to the shield and i think that's a really awesome thing so it's a great pick if you didn't pick it i was gonna pick it i think it's uh it's number three or four on your list depending on how you look at the infinity gauntlet um i think mm -hmm. i I, I'm glad I didn't get the number one because I don't think I would have taken a video it. Um, but uh, <laughs> so uh, see, now I'm at a point where I think I got to do it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, I, I do get the second Thor weapon, but I think I still get, I think I have Mjolnir over Stormbreaker. They're both amazing. You know, I think it's a one, a one B situation. So even if I'm getting one B pairing that with the Iron Man suit, I'm taking Mjolnir. Uh, the, there's so many moments we could talk about. Obviously, you know, the first time we see it at the end of Iron Man 2, you know, the first post credit scene that really, you know, meant something like, hey, they're actually doing this. It's not just Iron Man and Hulk. You know, that obviously is a huge moment. Everything from Thor is surrounded around Mjolnir. Mjolnir kind of takes a backseat in Dark World. And then, you know, the destruction of Mjolnir and Ragnarok. I mean, holy shit, right? Like, what a moment. You know what I mean? Right. There's no better way. There's no better way to show Hela's power than to take out Mjolnir right away, much like Thanos boxing the Hulk down um, mm -hmm. in Infinity War to show how strong he is. Um, and then my favorite, uh, obviously, you know, Cat picking up Mjolnir, obviously an incredible moment, um, all those different things. But when Vision picks up Mjolnir in Age of Ultron, I just think that's such an awesome, again, way to show how trustworthy he is. So, the amount of MCU moments surrounding this hammer, I can't, you know, you can't not take it here. So Iron Man suits and Mjolnir, come on. I mean, like that, that is a hell of a combination. One that was used in the first Avengers movie for, for a great moment when, uh, when Tony and Thor first kind of 
met up, fought each other and everything. But I mean, I can't argue. And I know I know I got Stormbreaker and that one is a badass weapon in its own right. But the only thing Mjolnir has on top of that is, like you said, the history. And, and it is it is Thor's baby. And really? he has had that thing for for thousands, over a thousand years, probably. He's been through battles after battle with it. I mean, Hela destroying it was a key turning point moment in the MCU uh, when she showed how powerful she was to just break it in half. And we will be looking forward to seeing how it's coming back in uh, 2022's Thor Love and Thunder. So, because we're going to have to have uh, Natalie Portman's, you know, Jane Foster, Mighty Thor be able to wield some version of it at some point so uh no we will see how that comes back into play but uh, you got a good one yeah it's a great pick uh, i was going to say in terms of the lineage and the legacy of cap shield almost mjolnir is on par with that for the simple fact of anyone can wield cap shields it just mm -hmm. you know you don't know whether or not they deserve to john walker showed he doesn't deserve to and when sam picked it up it felt right mjolnir you physically can't if you're not worthy. And it is one of the greatest character development moments squeezed into one simple moment of, if you pick up that hammer, your status skyrockets, your right. stock skyrockets. Vision, having him pick up the hammer in Age of Ultron, erase the need for 60 seconds or 60 minutes, excuse me, of character setup and introductions. As soon as he lifts up that hammer, everyone in the theater knows, okay, this guy's on the team. We can trust him. That's on all we need. Team. I love I just that. watched I that scene on TV the other order. night. And yeah, that, I mean, you're, you're so right. 60 minutes of development turns into 60 seconds because of one scene of vision lifting the hammer and showing that he was a bona fide badass. Yeah. Absolutely. So now, now I got back-to-back -back picks. I feel a little more comfortable now, you yeah. know, not any, any faults that happen is no longer <laughs> my responsibility. It is, yeah. my responsibility, excuse me, because, you know, I, I had a chance to take two and if I don't get what I want, that's on me. My first pick of the second round, I'm going to kind of pivot here. I had one in mind, and then I started thinking a little more, and I think I might be taking one out of Matt Remke's shortlist. It's the Yaka Arrows, man. Yeah. Oh. I, and specifically, obviously, it's just the arrows in general, and we're going generalizations here. But specifically, I would go with the Guardians one with the whistle. The whistle aspect makes it so badass. When he controls it with the fin, it kind of loses some of its specialty. But when he's warping that thing with his whistle and it's going, you know, zigzagging through and taking down a whole army of bad guys in a matter of seconds, we saw it in live action and we saw it in animation most recently on an episode of What If. I really enjoyed that aspect. It's awesome for Yondu. It's one of those weapons that almost defines the character. Um, Yondu is a great character in his own right, but his weapon almost stands out uh, specifically as, as a trademark of who he is. And I'm sad that we won't see the Yaka arrows, or we will because Kraglin, right? Kraglin's now wielding That's it. That's the idea. Definitely. It's not the same. You know, Yondu and the Yaka arrows go hand in hand. I love how it has the red static and the red lightning that matches his fin color or his mohawk color from whichever Guardians movie you're watching them in. And the Yaka arrows, man, they're, they're definitely a sleeper pick. But when you really think about how powerful they are, they deserve to be high up in this list. Richard? Definitely. I mean, those things are just so cool. And like the way Yondu uses it too. Like, like I think about that one scene in Guardians when he's coming up against all those soldiers once his ship crashes. And, uh, and he's just like, he's just looking at him like, I got this. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. 
and then he and then he just kills a bunch of dudes in, a, in the yeah. span of about 30 seconds takes that an entire ship like it's absolutely nothing and yeah. and then he just walks away from it like mm-hmm. like he's like okay that's cool next next up and and i love the way it looks live action like like you said it looks awesome in animation when he's doing it uh to all the same guys in what if and uh i mean absolutely killer choice uh great option Yep, not much more to add. It was at the top of my list. Um, other than the legacy picks, this was the pick I wanted. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, I do think he's whistling when he's doing it in the ship in Guardians 2, Liam. I, th- I do think he's still whistling. I'm pretty sure uh, he is, come, but the come, probably helps. Come a little bit closer um, in that scene with that arrow is one of the coolest decisions James Gunn has ever made. And uh, mm-hmm. it's a great pick. I'm very, very upset that I don't have it on my team. I never thought Millionaire <laughs> would get back to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> and when Mjolnir gets back to you, you got to take it. My second pick here is where we get a little interesting because you could go super powerful or you could go fan favorite. I am going to go with the fan favorite, my favorite uh, uh, stock pick. Hopefully that this draft, you know, this weapon gains a little more steam in the coming months. I don't know if you if you know where I'm going with this. Hawkeye's bow and arrow. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 The reasoning okay. being... He just never misses, you know, yeah. like I, I would love if this comes with Hawkeye's arm too and his, <laughs> and his senses, but we'll just go with the bow and arrow. Uh, it's one of the most badass weapons in the MCU. I'm a sucker for a bow and arrow. I loved uh, Daryl's crossbow in the walking dead when I used to watch that show. And he's just so inventive with it, man. Hawkeye is, is second to none with that bow and arrow. And when we get to see it in action for six episodes later this fall, it's going to be a sight to see. And yeah, Clint Barton, his stock, is really high right now and i think it'll only skyrocket and i think when people listen back to this draft in a couple months after we see some really inventive action with the bow and arrow i think that uh people will realize it definitely deserves to be on this list not necessarily uh, as high of a pick as many people would put it but i feel like it belongs in the third round i uh Solid. yeah i I, oh, yeah. I i respect how you positioned it as a stock pick because mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest gripes you can make about Hawkeye so far in the MCU is that they didn't make the arrow very cool in a lot of the different movies. They did a really good job in Avengers one, um, you know, showing his uh, what's it called? The, the thing? quiver, the quiver, quiver. showing his yeah. quiver and he gets the grapple arrow and it's super awesome like that. Um, you know, they have flashes of different cool arrows moving forward. I think in Hawkeye though, it's going to be a main focus of the show to make it the arrow super fucking dope. Yeah. And, I am really, really excited to finally see it like super in depth in mm-hmm. Hawkeye. I mean, obviously we've seen teases of it through however many movies he's been. I think it's been in six or seven movies and he did some awesome stuff in Avengers one. Now it, there, is, there is the question if that, if the bow and arrow does come with the skills and the mindset of Hawkeye, but, uh, but even it in itself <laughs> is awesome because with the arrows, you get all the crazy arrow heads that could do all those different right. things. I mean, grappling arrows, explosion arrows. I mean, you mm-hmm. saw what happened to Loki when he when he caught the Hawkeye one in Avengers one, mm-hmm. um, and then we got a little bit of a tease of it in the Age of Ultron too. But uh, no, I can't wait to see where this goes in Hawkeye. I, I think he's in for for a really good run with the bow and arrow. I like the future stock pick. Excellent hole poking by you, Richard. You're a veteran mm-hmm. drafter. Um, here, uh, Liam, I'm going to take the pick that I thought you were going with and something I think you're going to be upset that you passed on the Falcon wingsuits. Yeah, like, you get, you get the captain Falcon suit. You get the one from civil war, which is surprisingly awesome. You know what I mean? With the radar right. shield, you get red wing. 
Um, I think that, again, another future stock pick, I think they're going to get cooler and cooler and cooler. And it's just the aesthetic. This is our new Iron Man. You know what I mean? This is not not in any sense of like narrative, but this is our new flying around the scene character. And I'm really excited to see that it's Falcon because there's so many interesting ways you can use those wings. Um, to speed it up a little bit, Richard, uh, real quick, what do you think of the wing wingsuits? Amazing. And, and I mean, especially the design of the one in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier when he becomes Captain America. Mm -hmm. I did not know how they were going to bring the Captain America Falcon suit into the MCU. And, and it was it was so, so much more than what, so what I ever could have expected. It, it was incredible. Yeah. Liam, upset? Excited? A little upset, but also... I'm glad that it went this high because I, I would have hated to see it come back to me right. with the very last pick. But <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm content with my choice of, of the no, Hawkeye sure. rainbow. But it definitely, you know, it deserves to be a third round pick. And I like the flexibility, as you mentioned, the Captain Falcon suit, the Civil War suit, even just the uh, military grade ones Way from more. Winter Soldier. Great pick. A uh, little jealous, not gonna lie. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Richard, you're up. Uh, last two picks of your team round out our third and open our fourth round back to back. All right. I mean, we still got the crazy thing about it is we picked some damn good weapons. We still have a ton of good picks on right. the board. Um, I am going to go with one that I mean, just in, in itself is super, super powerful. I know I'm going back to back uh, as guardian here. Ooh. I am going to go with the Hella yeah. Necro Swords. Yeah. I mean, First of all, the fact that Hela can make pretty much the most powerful metal, but the strongest metal in the universe, just like waving her hands around is a, a completely and totally badass in itself. It's partly why she's one of my favorite villains. But those swords, I mean, the fact that they can make basically any shape you want to, I mean, daggers, swords, giant spears that come out of the waters of Asgard. Yeah. I mean, she could basically create anything she wants with that and we got a little bit of a tease of that also in uh in episode two of what if when the uh when the new collector used her helmet and everything but uh mm -hmm. no I, I gotta go with the hella swords those things are about as badass as you can get yeah that was my next pick it's just so cool that that uh moment where she kills that uh the asian member of the warriors three uh yeah Hogan. it just comes out from behind him like that i mean just such a badass dude just what a what a terror of a human being Oh I'm going to say, Richard, you get the headpiece too, just because it's cool. I like how it goes back and everything. I'll take it. And shout out Kate Blanchett for just killing that scene. You know what I mean? Right. Something about the acting in that moment where she goes back with it and like kind of takes a deep breath a little bit. So like dope. Water. You know? Yes. Into it. Yes. It's Tommy Boy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And I love the fact, too, last thing before I go on to the next pick with the helmet that it keeps growing and growing throughout the movie. Like, like the, the horns and everything aren't that big when she first puts it on, like right when she comes back to Earth to see Thor and Loki. But by the end, it is massive. Like, I don't even know how she controlled it. I never noticed that. All right, your last pick, rounding out your team, first pick of the fourth round. Oof, all right. Tough pick here. So, oh man, very, very tough pick. Um. I know I'm going with a very way more Asgardian theme than I actually intended to with this draft, but there's one weapon on here again from the same movie that I cannot pass up on. Uh, we saw it early on. Yep. Yep. We saw it early on with Thor in Surtur's lair 
the Surtur sword and skull. Like, yeah. I mean, that dude, I wish he had gotten a chance to, to be around the MCU more. I can't believe they only had him in one movie, but that thing is so cool. I mean, first of all, it's absolutely massive. It's about the size of a small building. Then it could shoot fire out of it, mm-hmm. and then it could decimate an entire an entire realm with a couple of swoops. And um, I can't leave that one on the board. I know, I know, we've got Stormbreaker and Hela's sword and Surtur's sword, but I think I, I think I got a damn good team here. It almost makes me mad that you didn't take Bielder with your second pick and just double up because then I could have <laughs> right? got Cap Shield. You know what I mean? You should have went all in on this sword thing. I think me and you might eat each other a little bit in our voting. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting. Right? Interesting. Look, uh, it's so badass. I mean, that opening scene of Thor is one of the better opening scenes in the MCU. Um, you know, that's the movie Liam wanted the entire time. You know what I mean? That dark fire movie. Um, oh, falls in a cage. Um, no, but it's such a cool oh, thing. No, when, a cage. He, happen. <laughs> when Ragnarok happens and he bursts down and we see Asgard kind of implode out from the sword. Such a dope moment. Um, yeah, great pick. Great pick. Not much to add. It's super powerful. It's all powerful in that it can cause an apocalypse and bring an entire world down. So I love the Asgardian vibe of your team, Richard. I think it's going to get yeah. you a lot of votes. Yeah. <laughs> man, I did not expect to go three of my four too, picks like totally <laughs> with Asgard stuff, but Crazy. I don't mind it. I'm okay with it. This brings me to my last pick. I got two ways to go here. I can go hyper powerful and super awesome, or I can go the one that I think is coolest and one that is going to play very well on the graphic and i think i'm gonna go with that one um i played these video games as a child and it was one of the most fun things i could do is just swing around new york city as spider-man with the web shooters i mean it's 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 as cool as it gets from a comic book movie standpoint there's nothing better than a swinging spider-man moment rather it be in toby Maguire's movies andrew garfield's movies or the mcu i know toby's were organic and i think that kind of sucks knowing how cool the web shooters are you know what i mean it, I, it didn't suck at the time but knowing how cool web shooters are come on um and it's the fact that no matter what it's always been a peter parker invention in garfield and uh holland's movies that's a that's peter parker's science thing is the web shooters and swinging around as Spider-Man. You know, we talked about how aesthetically pleasing the cap shield is swinging around as Spider-Man is the most aesthetically pleasing frame in a comic book movie. And uh, that's why he's in Endgame the way he is during the assemble scene. And yeah, web shooters gotta be on the, gotta be on the board. And uh, you know what? I cannot argue with that pick. And can I also add one of the most iconic sounds ever made in any movie ever. It's you, my texting ringtone. That's oh, awesome. I that. Oh, yeah, I got to do that. I got to get on that. But yeah. no, that is one of the most iconic sounds in movie or TV history. Absolutely. In video games too. I mean, you know exactly what you're listening to when you hear that thwip of the uh, of the spider gadgets. And um, and like you said, I love the way they went when, um, when they had Andrew Spidey and Tom Holland Spidey, you know, make them themselves. It was a cool character development development moment and particularly i love the scene in homecoming where he's like in class and making the actual wedding material in yeah. chemistry class Super i love awesome. that he's doing that there and um yeah i mean just an iconic <laughs> iconic piece of gadgetry i can't argue 
I'm hold laughing because on, it, hold on, hold on. real quick for, for our audio listeners, obviously it's an audio <laughs> podcast when they're developing the web shooters, Ned and Peter do their handshake, which is what I was doing. Yes. Like, like, Liam just did it with himself, like out of memory, <laughs> like he practiced that before. Did you wait? Oh, did you know man. what you were shocked about? I'm, I'm shocked that you were able to do it with both of your hands and not a partner. <laughs> Like, that's, that's like you have to have practiced that before. <laughs> like, the reason why I know how to do that is because I've been left hanging so many times when I go for a high five that I'm just so naturally used to doing this. Like, up, up, day, thanks. And you, and you have developed it into the Peter Ned handshake? Like, that's an unbelievable talent that you have. Like, <laughs> I guess I'll have like to flex it. Level. It's, how, it's how well you did it. Like, that's practice. I feel like <laughs> that was unbelievable. Talking about practice, man. Practice. <laughs> practice. I was going to give props, too, to the web shooters. It's a great pick. One I didn't even think of because it's not uh, a violent weapon, per se. It's just, mm-hmm. as you said, the most aesthetically pleasing weapon swinging around New York City. That's just the best. And I will point to a scene I love in TASM, too, when they're in New York City, Times Square, yes. near the staircases, and it's yes. slow motions. And Andrew goes back, and he flips, but it goes all different directions to ensure people get saved and the car gets stopped. It's awesome. Badass. So cool. I'm in a weird position with my final pick. So I was going to go one way, but now I'm going to go the other way and hear me out. And the graphic is going to have to do its best to reflect this. I'm going to go specifically the shrinking slash enlarging thing from oh, Ant-Man. The, the circles that he throws at people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Goes, oh my God, that thing is so OP. And the practicality of it, there's, there's two ways I'm going to go here. If I'm going violent, we just saw in a what if episode, you can expand the Hulk's heart and kill the Hulk. That's one of those things in the MCU that you never thought you'd be able to do is kill That'll Bruce Banner. And they do it. The practicality of it, you know, we talk about aesthetically pleasing, having fun with the web shooters. I would like to be able to drive into any major metropolitan city and throw that at my car and put my car in my pocket. That's that what I want. Amazing. I want the convenience factor. Save never so have money. to pay or look for parking again. Throw oh a little circle at my car, put it in my pocket, walk away. And then enlarge my Hot Wheels so I can be able to drive a Lamborghini for the price of $2.99. Like, that's the way to go. The practicality of the Ant-Man shrink slash enlarge rays is awesome. Not rays, little spear circle things. And I think it definitely deserves to be on this list. Permission for graphic title. Pin particles? You just want to take pin okay. particles here? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because Ant-Man's right. suit was on my list. Um, the bombs were, it's just so cool. The practicality. The amount of time equity you would save um, in parking. Being able to put your fucking car in your pocket. Oh my god! Like, I'm saying it'd be insane. Yeah. Um, having having lived in Boston, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like the, like those old tight ass cities, like Seattle's like that for some reason. Like like it'd be yeah, it'd be insane. It'd be insane. Um, great draft. That's so fun. I can't wait to run through honorable mentions really quickly. Uh, going back through the teams, Liam took the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, Yondu's Yaka, <laughs> Yondu's Yaka arrows, Hawkeye's bow and arrow, the pin particles. I took the Iron Man. I took Mjolnir. Falcon wingsuits and web shooters. Richard took Stormbreaker, Cap Shield, Hella Necroswords, and the Surtur Sword. What a great draft. Liam, real quick, three honorable mentions off the top of your head if you have them or as many. Uh, Spider Man's Iron Spider suit. It's cool, yep. but it's kind of yes. Iron Man y. So that's why I didn't take it. You have Good a metal pick. arm. That is awesome, dude. That was going to be my final <laughs> pick until I thought about Pym Particles. And then we'll go Star Lord's Blasters just because they're oh, nice and so sick. So good. Richard, do you have at least three? I've got a couple. Um, honorable mention of the Widow Staffs. You know, yeah. I mean, they've been around since the beginning. We've, yep. we've seen them a lot. Spider they're, bite. They're, and they're badass. Uh, the Eternal Flame, again, from Ragnarok. I mean, 
that thing is just super, super powerful at, o- at cool. OP. Um, and then I gotta go. What's my last one? Uh, Destroyer from uh, from Thor. Um, cool. I don't know if you oh, technically yeah, call yeah, that yeah. a weapon. I was Absolutely. I was debating on that, but just super, super powerful. Absolutely, it's a weapon. Um, I have three really quick. Uh, the Black Panther suit. Just the idea yes. of absorbing energy and then using it back out literally makes him Derrick Henry. That's pretty cool. And the <laughs> um, um, uh, sling ring. I think a big miss by us here. Ooh. I took Definitely. web shooter. I, I was thinking I was between that and web shooters, and I just thought web shooters were cooler. But the sling right. ring, wow. Practicality. Um, looking right. back, I would have taken sling ring over the Falcon suit. Man, I, I'm bummed I got Mueller back, and I had to take it. I'm gonna be completely <laughs> honest with you. Um, and then my last one. Super off cuff. Liam, you're going to be so surprised, but it's a Thor Dark World pick. Black hole grenades. Guys, yeah. those were the coolest Solid. fucking thing ever. I saw that in theaters. I was like, this is mesmerizing. Like, like that was one of the best parts cool, of that movie. The best part of that movie. And I, I won't hear any <laughs> different. Like, I don't care how good you think that movie is. That's definitely at least the coolest part of that movie because it's terrifying. It is terrifying every single time it happens. Oh, yeah. Great picks. Yeah. Great pick. Great draft. Thank you so much for coming on Nebens. Where can we find you on the social medias? You can find me in at R Nebens on Twitter. And then obviously you can find me just writing my ass off at the direct, mm-hmm. you know, uh, writing pretty much every day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> check out my, check out my interviews. We, I just got a chance to interview a couple of people from, uh, from what if the production designer and both of the editors who were both awesome. Uh, shout out Joel and Graham Fisher and uh, Paul Lucene. And um yeah, check me out in the direct and at Aaron Evans on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you, Machine. We appreciate you. Stay safe, buddy. Appreciate it. That was a quick theory. That was a sizzle reel. That was a what if review. That was a draft. And that's an episode, episode 49 of the direct podcast culminating in what was our second content heavy week or second three episode week in the direct podcasts history. And next week we have a stacked episode with episode 50, our silver or gold anniversary, whatever it is. We've been doing this thing for almost a year, Matt. And next week is going to be a lot of fun. The one year anniversary show is going to be a lot of fun, but that's in the future. Let's talk about the now. Let's talk about the weekly recommendations you got for the people this week. Matt, hit me with what you have going on in, in your life. Go camping. Get out there in the woods. Go see nature. Me and the lady went camping these last few days. Had a blast. So, you know, if that's kind of your thing, go camping. Have a good time. It's always uh, more fun than I expect it to be. And you can get some serious comic book reading done. Laying in a hammock in the woods with a cocktail on a log right next to you. And that's my favorite thing. Um, Also read Ultimate Marvel Comics because they're really good. I love that. I love that. Man, I love that visual of just no Wi-Fi, just vibes. Just vibes and comics. Big fan of that. Uh, mine, a little more serious uh, weekly recommendation this week uh, in honor of our boy Nebins uh, on the show this week, actually. Uh, keep the people in California in your prayers and your thoughts, uh, whatever you worship, uh, regardless if you're spiritual or not. Just uh, be thinking of the people in California because there are wildfires going on. And uh, Richard's been updating us in Slack about crazy stuff going on uh, over there in the Bay State. Not the Bay State. That's Massachusetts. Golden State. That's what it is. Warriors. Anyways. Uh, yeah, Nevins has been through uh, some some tough times with the wildfires, having relocations and everything. So make sure to keep everyone in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, over here in the Northeast, I luckily haven't been hit by any of the Hurricane Ida, but I have friends in Pennsylvania who have 
really ridiculous flooding going on. So there's some wild stuff going on naturally. So, uh, you know, be grateful of a calm situation, but for those who are in unfortunate ones, keep them in your thoughts. But with that being said, that's episode 49 of the podcast. We appreciate you guys so much for tuning in and we will see you next week with episode 50. Bye. Close. Yeah, Please I got to go out of here because my friends who told me 5:30 for Shang Chi, it's actually five, and it starts in six minutes, and I need to get my popcorn, and I want to see the Spider-Man trailer on the big screen, so I got to go. Oh my god! Go! 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 Later, y'all. Send me this recording later. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. Jesus. Thanks again, Matt. This is a blast. Yeah, I'm so glad. I had so much fun. I could have kept going, man. Odin's staff, Thanos's sword. Oh my God! Right, didn't take the, the helicopter sword. Yeah, uh, slingering. So I think it was a huge miss. Uh, right, bow and arrow was such a bad pick, such a bad oh, pick. Man. Terrible, right. terrible pick. Yeah, um, but no, this was this was a blast. <laughs> yeah, no, so fun, so fun. Um, I had so much fun. Uh, we'll tag you, and uh, we'll do the thing. Thank you so much, brother. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. See you, bub.